Welcome to the Eskenzi PR podcast, where we share pearls of wisdom on PR and cybersecurity. Hi, I'm Yvonne Eskenzi, uh, owner and founder of Eskenzi PR. So we're now going to launch a whole series of weekly podcasts on how to win. That could be how to win in PR, how to win with white papers, how to win with analyst relations. We're going to do a whole series of those to help all of you guys out and impart our pearls of wisdom. So today we're going to do a podcast on how to win with what makes a good white paper. And to present it today, we're going to have a chat with Dulcie McCleary, who is our account director. And Dulcie does all sorts of white papers um, with her clients day in, day out, and been doing this for maybe over 10 years. So, um, so Dulcie, I know that white papers are the thing that companies spend a huge amount of money investing in and they can cost you know anything from four thousand pounds or four thousand dollars if you're in the states there's big big money that gets mm-hmm. put into white papers so they've yep. got to be right haven't they um what do you think after looking at so many white papers mm-hmm. what makes a brilliant white paper so for me it's something that has um value it has to add value so that could be something from the research team investigating a new vulnerability that they found or looking in detail at an attack that has happened um, and imparting their worlds of wisdom, as you said at the start. So, yeah, that's what I think makes a good white paper. So um, do you think you need to spend a huge amount of money to make that work? I don't think it's about the money that's spent. It's probably the time and um, and the intelligence that's shared. And it obviously needs to look nice (laughs) because ultimately it is going to be a sales tool. But I think it's more about the content. It's more about the detail. It's more about... The, the facts, the figures, and substantiating that with evidence. Infographics are always nice to have because it helps illustrate and make it much clearer the point that you're trying to get across. And who do you think is the best person to write the white paper? Well, obviously me. <laughs> um, I, I think it has to be um, a collaboration. It has to be a collaboration between the people that are actually doing the research because ultimately they're the ones that are going to understand it. Um, but it also helps to have um, somebody who can actually write, put that into good words. So, so throw me out some titles of people that you think would be able to write a good white paper. You know, when you think about all our clients, who have they been the best people? What have they been the titles? Have they been head of product marketing? No, probably not. It's probably somebody like the um, the threat intelligence officer or the chief CISO, um, technical director, more those sorts of titles where the, you get the actual detail and then probably the product marketing person will help to smooth it out and make it a more readable document. So in my experience, the best white papers I've ever looked at have been written by those sorts of people, mm-hmm. but then taken over by a good journalist. True, very true. So if you can, um, you know, uh, uh, there's loads of really good freelance writers out there and maybe a freelance writer that specialises in your space. So for us, it's cybersecurity. So one of those freelancers, and we all know who they are, who have written for many, many years on the subject and know it inside out. And they can often offer their perspective too to help you develop the paper further. So how many words do you think makes a good white paper? I don't think it's about adhering to a word count. I think it's about as many as is needed to tell the story. And no more. So no more, no less. But do you think people really still want to read 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 words? Because I I just can't be bothered to do that anymore. (laughs) I think there will be some people that want to read, you know, that many words. And if, if um, if you're facing the same challenges that the paper's addressing, then yes, I think you will read it to the end. Um, from our perspective, you know, no, we're probably not going to use all 3,000, 4,000 words. We're going to cut it up and we're going to do different things with it in, in PR. But you always need to have that first, that, that nice kind of management overview, don't you, mm-hmm. that we can then kind of cut into something good. Yeah. I always think that's the key to everything. When I read these big, long, waffly product papers, um, 
I tend to just want to have a look at that first 600 words with all those lovely bullet points. I know mm-hmm. journalists do. Don't yep. do anything. That's that's the key to get that bit right. Yeah, to me, there are two key po- points to get right. First is the executive summary, where you um, you detail what the product, what the paper tells you, and then that conclusion that gives you what you need to take away from the paper and what you need to do to address whatever the paper is talking about. So what can you do with a really good white paper? Tell us what we do at Eskenzi PR with a great white paper, because I know we've had tremendous success. I always think of everything like a, like a big orange, mm-hmm. and every big orange can be cut into all different sorts of segments. And a white paper is exactly the same, isn't it? So tell me what, how many segments you can make out of a white paper. Mm-hmm. Well, to us, um, this, when we get the white paper, the first thing we do is we peel that orange, and we dissect it down into the segments, and we identify what the news is, what, what, it, what it is that's actually interesting in the white paper. The white paper's existence isn't news. Nobody writes about that there's this great white paper. What they write about is the findings in that white paper. So that's what we're, that's our job. Identify exactly what the news is, who's going to be interested in it, and then go and tell them about it. So, you know, one of the first things that we will do is we'll try and arrange some journalist interviews. So we'll get the journalists on the line, um, the person who's, who's done the research, put them together, And then we'll follow that up with a number of other activities. So we'll then tie in with either a press release or a media alert that will go out, highlighting the findings of the paper and again, drawing back to it, that will be timed to go live when the first story breaks. Um, We'll also then look at any bylined articles that we can pull from the paper. And it might not just be one, there might be three or four in there. So we'll look to develop those, produce some blogs for um, the organisation's website, but also um, from some other sites that they might take blogs over thought-led articles and then we can also use them for speaking sessions so you know if you're exhibiting at something like infrasecurity europe and you've got a great white paper sometimes that can be used to secure a slot you know in the different um keynote sessions and you are a queen at getting um <laughs> slots placed for our clients at things like black hat and rsa and that's, infosecurity that's very kind of you to say but <laughs> it's very very hard to do but you seem to have that knack dulcie so so we looked at uh, blogs, speaking sessions, and of course, it's not just that, is it? I mean, you know, we're obviously doing digital now. We know that we can do content online. Um, what about things like podcasts and videos, all that sort of stuff? Exactly. So very similar to what we're doing now, where we're talking about a, um, a blog that we've written on white papers. So um, you could use the information contained within the white paper to create some podcasts and vlogs. Um, and then use your social channels to promote those as well. And I'd also argue that you should you should um, use any coverage, so any journalist interviews, any articles that you've placed, include that in your social um, planning. So um, you know, just make sure that everything you do is connected and gets as much volume and as much noise out of everything that's generated. Another point that I'd like to add is that when you are putting these white papers onto your website, consider putting it behind. Um, a, a, a non-discoverable page on the site or even creating its own little microsite so that you can then direct traffic to it but it's not discoverable so it's not published which many journalists will view if you've already published it on your website then they'll see it as old news um, and then have trackable links so you can identify where that traffic is coming from because uh, then you'll know what activity is working. So white papers is just one bit of content, isn't it? I mean, content is, in our business, king. I always say that. My father was in property, and it was always location, location, location when <laughs> in the property business. In our business, it's content, content, content. Everything is about content, isn't it? How, in, in the kind of hierarchy of content, I know this is quite a difficult question, but in that hierarchy, where do you think white papers come? 
Um, I think white papers actually come quite high. Um, but it's all about, uh, like you say, it's all about the content within the white paper. If you have a white paper that's purely talking about your product, it's valuable to you, but to um, a PR program, it's probably less valuable to us. Whereas if you have a white paper that is talking about um, a, a very specific threat or a new vulnerability that's been discovered, and you do that really well, to us, that's gold. And then it goes right to the top of the pile. So... Let's take a good white paper over the last six months. How many pieces of collateral do you think you've managed to make from a really good white paper that succeeded and that you've then got good PR from? And that means turning it into an article, mm-hmm. turning it into a blog, turning it into a video, turning it into um, you know, using it on social. I'd say that I've had probably in excess of 50 to 70 different pieces of collateral from it. When you start thinking about each article that's placed, each in, each journalist that's written about the white paper, each LinkedIn profile that's mentioned it, each social share that's gone on, you know, the podcasts that are then shared with however many people listen to the podcast, you know, it can it can be in excess of fifty to seventy five times. And I'd also argue that quite a few white papers, you know, even after we've finished it, it still lives on. You know, the sales team then take it and use it for for their outreach, they can share it with their customers, they can share it with their prospects, um, you know, so yeah, a really good white paper just lives on for, you know, beyond the content that we create with it. That was brilliant, Dulcie, thank you so much for doing that. I learned an awful lot um, on what makes a good white paper, and I hope all of you guys listened to it and enjoyed it, and we'll have some good takeaways from that. So that was the first in our podcasts on how to win. Next week, we're going to do another how to win, and it's going to be how to win over the journalists, how to write a great pitch so that they actually write about you. So take care this week, have a good one, and we'll speak to you next week. Bye.